Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano, free speech champion. I am a proponent of free speech. Whether I like what people are saying or don't like what people are saying, I am of the crazy old school opinion that you should not be fired for saying it. You should not be canceled for saying it. You should not be suspended for saying it. And yes, hate speech is protected under the First Amendment. That is a fact. There is a fascinating case being heard right now, well, this week, by the Supreme Court that deals with, that could have incredibly far-reaching implications for free speech. And it could affect everybody that goes on social media because, let's face it, social media has kind of become everything. What do I mean by that? It's become radio. It's become television. It's become the newspaper. It's become the modern-day town square. And if you can't say something on social media, it's, to some extent, like you're muzzled. And we have had a lot of complaints over the years about what's permitted on social media and what's not permitted on social media. Mayor Eric Adams, for instance, in New York, he's one of these guys, very anti these social media companies, doesn't like some of the videos that are permitted to be shown on there. He's actually suing some of these social media companies. You have other people that say, you know, the New York Post, when they were trying to tweet that article about Hunter Biden in the midst of the campaign, they suspended the account of the editor of the New York Post. Everybody, I think, at this point recognizes that that was just an absurd overreach. But what it brought to the forefront was the fact that here you have social media companies potentially affecting elections. We've discussed this at length with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. Four years ago, if you were to say on social media that uh, COVID escaped from a lab or was created in a lab, that would have been enough to get you suspended. These days, it is something that a large number of people believe to be the case, or at least possible. Well, now the Supreme Court is hearing a case, Net Choice v. Paxton. It was argued, what's today? Today is Wednesday. It was argued on Monday. 
In this case, because I'm betting a lot of you may not know the particulars, but you've probably heard it referenced, so I'm going to make it, I'm going to boil it down as simple as can be. In this case, Texas and Florida alleged that huge internet platforms, which honestly have become so huge, they can't even call them big tech anymore. you got to call them giant tech. They've grown so powerful that it's necessary to ensure they don't discriminate against users or viewpoints they disagree with. So they're saying Facebook, for instance, is so uh, so powerful, so big that if Facebook disagrees with your views because you're conservative or if you're liberal or you're pro-Israel or you're pro-Gaza, uh, pro-Palestinian, whatever your views are, Facebook should not be able to discriminate against you because it's almost like the powers of the state are coming down against you. On the other side, these three giant tech platforms, Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, X, which everybody in the world still calls Twitter, and Google, they claimed that they have a First Amendment right to decide what posts and accounts they carry on their website. And it's a very cute argument, right? Because I kind of agree with them. They are private companies, and I think, hey, maybe they should have a right to determine what's on their platform. But what they're doing is trying to have it both ways. What do I mean by that? They're saying they should be able to edit posts and... Um, have control the algorithms of which posts appear in people's feed and they should be able to suppress content that is whatever they don't like because they're private companies and just like a newspaper does, they're exercising an editorial function. But every time the idea comes up of taking away their Section 230 protection, and that's not part of this case, which is why I'm mentioning it, their Section 230 protection protects them from being sued from something that people post on their website. They say, oh, no, we're not, we're not, oh, we're not newspapers. We're more like a phone company. We're a utility. So it, for the purposes of this Supreme Court case, they're saying, yeah, no, 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 no. We have to control what's on our platform because we're like newspapers. For the purposes of enjoying immunity from lawsuits, they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. We're not like newspapers at all. We're like phones. Be with the Section 230, just to, again, put it briefly, is if I say something on this radio station that is slanderous or offensive or not offensive, but that is that causes someone to get hurt somehow. If I give someone's address and say, hey, everybody go to uh, Anthony Blinken's house and start throwing rocks into his house and people do that and i give his address on the radio and people do that not only could i be sued but the radio station that i'm on now could be sued if i do that on facebook facebook cannot be sued even if people go and throw rocks at his house because of that section 230 protection so it's to me they're trying to kind of have it both ways but if the justices buy big tech's argument they would be granting constitutional protection to almost anything big tech does putting these huge platforms really beyond the reach of lawmakers and potentially jeopardizing the ability of americans to control big tech at all 
Lower federal courts have already bestowed First Amendment protection on these big tech companies. And a lot of folks say on the left and the right, this is one of those issues that kind of cross uh, cuts across party lines, that this leaves the public unprotected. Last fall, a federal court struck down a California law which was intended to prevent social media platforms from profiling children. And it did so by ruling that collecting data from children is a form of speech protected by the First Amendment. If the Supreme Court takes a an expansive view here, at doing what the lower court did, it could negate all similar efforts to stand up to the power of big tech. So what will the Supreme Court decide? It was very difficult to tell from the justices' questions. But I think there's a good chance they're going to side with Texas and Florida. The justices sounded pretty skeptical of these arguments from big tech. And I think they're going to treat big tech as common carriers uh, because common carriers cannot engage in unreasonable discrimination. If uh, I have a railroad, right, and a black person comes and a white person comes uh, and we both want to buy a train ticket. I, as the railroad owner, even though I'm a private business, I can't say I'm only selling to the white person. Similarly, if a Democrat and a Republican come and try to buy a railroad ticket, I can't say, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I am only selling to the Republican. Can't do it. And so if the Supreme Court sides with Texas and Florida here, that could be a similar level of regulation here. So it's uh, very uh, telephone companies, for instance, they can't reject customers based on what they say or refuse to serve a paying customer. And uh, that's basically what these big tech companies are trying to do. There was a Supreme Court case a few years ago. It's called Biden versus Knight First Amendment Institute. And that may suggest where the court's heading. The case grew out of then President Trump's decision to block several Twitter users from interacting with his Twitter account. They sued. And the Court of Appeals held that the comment threads were a public forum and that the former president violated their First Amendment rights by using his control of the Twitter account to block the plaintiffs from accessing the comment threads. By the way, I am still blocked by a district attorney in New York State, and I've been trying to raise that issue under the Biden um, versus Knight First Amendment uh, Institute case, and so far I'm still blocked. But because of the change of the in, in administrations, the case was deemed moot. But Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion in which he cited a 1914 Supreme Court ruling that a private company could become a common carrier when a business, by circumstances and its nature, rises from private to be of public concern. I think that can certainly apply to Facebook. Facebook's bigger than most countries. Thomas argued that some digital platforms are sufficiently akin to common carriers like railroads or telephone companies, and they should be regulated in that manner. And other justices have made similar remarks. So if the Supreme Court decides that these big tech platforms are common carriers, the responsibility for policing their content shifts from corporations to who? To government. To government. So rather than Twitter deciding whether 
uh, Louis Farrakhan and O.J. Simpson and the Ayatollah and Roger Stone can have a Twitter account, the regulations are going to be made by Congress or the FCC. But is there any reason to trust the government to do a better job policing content than Twitter and Facebook do? I mean, let's say you're a Democrat, right? And, And let's say you hate Donald Trump. Can you imagine what would happen under a Trump administration? I mean, he would, and if he had this power to regulate social media, let's say you're a Republican, a conservative. You see the hostility towards certain arguments already being made on social media. Is there any reason to suggest that uh, somebody that wants to post 40 articles about Ilhan Omar marrying her brother or uh, the conspiracy theories about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that that wouldn't be prohibited? So Robert Reich, who was Secretary of Labor in the Clinton administration, very progressive guy, he says there's a third and better option um, to ex- instead of the bleak choice between having content policing left by a giant corporation or by the government. He says it's to address the underlying problem. And I think he may have a point. He says you got to deal with the power of big tech. And the way to do this is apply the antitrust laws and break them up. Just like Ma Bell, require them to share their operating systems with competitors, essentially making them open source. And Reich says that his guess is that this is where that will end up eventually. There's no other reasonable choice. And he quotes Churchill in saying, Americans can always be trusted to do the right thing once all other possibilities have been exhausted. The Churchill quote, of course, dedicated to all of our many listeners listening in England right now. Here is the, uh, the, the uh, Solicitor General from the state of Florida talking about why they brought this case. The platforms do not have a First Amendment right to apply their censorship policies in an inconsistent manner and to censor and deplatform certain users. On the other hand, here is the general counsel for uh, the company that is on the other side of this saying, not surprisingly, that they think things should, you know, be interpreted a bit differently. Here is, um, well, actually, let me play for you. This is the U.S. Solicitor General, Elizabeth Preligar, talking about these social media platforms. It would require these social media platforms that are creating the compilation of third-party speech to fundamentally alter their product that they're offering. We think that's an infringement of speech, and the court should say so. Here is the other side, the general counsel of NetChoice, Carl Zabo. It's about government, in this case, Republican government, forcing a private platform to say something it doesn't want to say. It would be like the government going into Chipotle and telling them that they have to serve hamburgers because people want hamburgers. Where do you come down on this? What do you think? Even if you hate what Twitter does, even if you hate what Facebook does, the private companies, should they have the right to do whatever they want? Or are there some regulations that the government should be able to impose on them in terms of protecting certain elements of free speech, or at least regulating other elements of free speech. It's a very complicated issue, and that's why I wanted to wait until we had some time to talk about this uh, rather than rush into it the day of the arguments, because 
It's uh, in some ways a very simple case to understand, but I think in other ways it's a very challenging case to decide. This is one of those instances. You have nine very smart people on the Supreme Court, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. This is an instance where I wouldn't want to be in their place because I have no idea what I would decide. None. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. There is another uh, case involving free speech that is getting a lot of attention. And it has to do with um, humor. And you know me, I am a fan of humor. What do you do when police and prosecutors have no sense of humor? A recent case involving a college newspaper's parody edition about the war in Gaza could be a reminder of the scope of the First Amendment's free speech and free press protections. It's also an example of the ways in which police and prosecutors can undermine or support those constitutional rights. In Chicago, prosecutors quickly dropped charges that Northwestern University police had brought against two students for theft of advertising services. The Marshall Project um, did an article about this. And um, it was really interesting. Uh, the Marshall Project is pretty is pretty prog- progressive, but uh, the headline in their piece was "Knock Knock, Who's There?" The police. What happens when a joke carries criminal charges? So, uh, just to boil down the case quickly, last October, students at Northwestern University near Chicago they wrapped a parody article imitating their student newspaper around hundreds of copies of the real publication. The fake front page led with the headline, quote, Northwestern, that's the name of the college, Northwestern complicit in genocide of Palestinians. The parody touched a nerve with many in a country where the war between Israel and Hamas and the humanitarian toll in Gaza, they've created an inflection point personally and professionally. So furor over the article was swift and spread far beyond campus. In response, the university police filed charges against the two students behind the production, accusing them of theft of advertising services. Now, that is a high-level misdemeanor that carries a potential prison sentence. The charge is seldom used in Cook County. And it was originally intended to prevent the Ku Klux Klan from inserting recruiting materials in newspapers. The students haven't spoken publicly about the incident. In January, there was an online petition calling for the charges to be dismissed. It garnered thousands of signatures. The office of the Cook County State's Attorney, whose jurisdiction includes Chicago, dropped the charges earlier this month. So the Marshall Project spoke with the state's attorney, Kim Fox, She's a real piece of work in some instances about how her office handled the case. And while lawyers in her staff review all felony cases before filing charges, Fox said misdemeanors bypass this process. So in misdemeanor cases, the law enforcement agency can file directly to court and prosecutors may not see the details until then. And they said that's what happened 
in this case. Fox told um, the Marshall Project that she views the North, Northwestern case as a First Amendment and free speech issue in which charges should not have been filed. And she said that she found the situation frustrating. And look, as uh, objectionable as some people may find that content, I agree. Uh, I think uh, I think she's exactly right. And if you're not familiar with uh, kind of spicy humor, parody, as with the case of the Northwestern students, is an attempt to imitate someone or something in an exaggerated manner for comedic effect. It's like when um, when Uncle Floyd impersonated Joe Franklin. Satire employs comedy to criticize behavior, it's meant to have a little bit more of a pointed bite than parody alone. And last summer, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with a Louisiana man who made a Facebook post in early 2020 saying his local sheriff's department had orders to shoot people with COVID on site, which obviously didn't didn't happen. And it's funny, I have a friend... And I, I never thought this was a crime for precisely this reason. He was a lawyer, and he set up all these parody, fake, these satire Facebook pages of politicians. And he was charged with a crime over it and ended up, you know, having to plead guilty. And Waylon Bailey's post in that Louisiana situation included a hashtag referencing a zombie movie starring Brad Pitt. So I guess everybody should have known it was a joke. And the, the sheriff's office arrested Bailey without a warrant on terrorizing charges. So just, again, understand, the guy posted on Facebook that his local sheriff's department had orders to shoot people with COVID on site. Not true. It was a joke. And it included a hashtag to a zombie movie. And the they arrested him for terrorizing charges. Bailey sued, saying his arrest violated his First Amendment and Fourth Amendment's rights, free speech, and protection from unlawful search and seizure. The Fifth Circuit overturned a lower court's ruling that Bailey's post was unprotected speech. So in its decision, the Fifth Circuit said that Bailey's post did not incite imminent lawless action, which is the, you know, basically the barometer. And it's a very tricky area because not all court cases arguing that jokes are free speech have the same conclusions. 2016, an Ohio resident, Anthony Novak, created a Facebook page named after his local police department and began making satirical posts, including a claim about an available job posting that excluded minority applicants. The police department arrested him and they jailed him for four days and searched his apartment. Novak sued arguing that his First and Fourth Amendments were violated, but a lower court granted the police officers involved in Novak's case qualified immunity, which protects government officials, including police, from lawsuits. So uh, Novak appealed, and the case made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and just last year, the justices rejected his appeal. But Novak's case had some very strong supporters. You know the satirical news publication, The Onion? They submitted an amicus brief to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court, they didn't hear it. So it's very tricky how the law handles humor. In the case of Mr. Novak, they were arrested and they found the police didn't do anything wrong. He was arrested. In the case of uh, Mr. Bailey's post in Louisiana, he was arrested But um, they found that the police didn't do the right thing there. 
And in the case of these Northwestern students, initially they were arrested, but ultimately the charges were dropped. So there's two very interesting free speech tracts that I'd love for you to comment on. The Supreme Court case on social media or the cavalcade of free speech cases involving humor. I believe that each one of the free speech cases involving humor I mentioned are clearly protected by the First Amendment. Not one of these people should have been arrested. 800-848-9222. But sometimes these arguments are a bit trickier. John is in North Carolina. Hey there, John. Hey, I called to tell you how wonderful I thought the interview with David was. Um, I don't agree with David at all, but I'm blind. And he, he spoke on a couple of things that I agreed with. When you're blind, people do not like you. They Even our own families or my family, I can't speak to his, but my, even my family, uh, you know, we're excluded. Uh, like if there's a gathering, all the blind people are put at one table and the others are, you know, sit and, you know, we're basically ignored. And I choose not to associate with them. But anyway, that's what I call. But you are so interesting. I really like your program. You are you will you are so agreeable, and at the same time, you say you say what you really want to say, and that is very refreshing to find somebody. I agree with you about it. pretty much everything you say like that about the, especially the sense of humor. That is, uh, you know, I've always had a caustic sense of humor, and people, some people laugh, and some people hate me. Yeah, I I mean, that's very kind, John. First of all, thanks for your feedback on the interview and the program in general. And uh, I'm sorry to hear about that situation involving your family. But, uh, you know, I I think a lot of folks, unfortunately, can probably relate to uh, what you're saying. And maybe people will hear what you're saying and maybe it'll serve as kind of a, I don't know, a wake up call to them to treat blind people as people, not as lepers to be shunned. Yeah, well, you're exact opposite for me. You're so social, and I am not. And I'm not sure I've always been like that. I don't know if I was made like that by my environment, but I generally don't like people. But uh, I like you. Pe- I thought you people in New York were supposed to be cold and mean <laughs> and hard. John, we have our moments. But- there are there are moments when, uh, believe me, I, I want to be left alone and and not bother with anybody. I mean, after all, there's this woman that I apparently had lunch with six years ago, along with five other people. That she was just shocked that I did not remember her. So maybe I'm not as sociable as I think I I am. But thanks for the call, though. 800-848-9222. In my life, and again, not to repeat what I said in this Facebook video that I posted yesterday on this, but in my life, I've never, ever said to someone, you don't remember me, do you? I just, uh, you know, will do one of two things. I'll either say to someone, even if I've met them a dozen times, you know, I know people are busy, they meet a lot of people, I'll say, um, you know, hey, you may not remember me, but I do such and such, such and such. And sometimes a lot of the people that I'll say that to really do meet 100 people a day. Uh, George Santos, when I invited him on this program and he finally got back to me, he said, you know, I think it's so funny in your text messages, you act like I don't know who you are. Of course I know who you are. I've met you 100 times and, you know, I thought if anything, you didn't know who I was, right? Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., another guy who says, Frank, you don't always have to remind me who you are. I know who you are. So I always kind of assume people don't know who I am or I just act like they do know who I am even if they don't. Never in my life would I ever put someone in the position of saying, 
you don't remember me, do you? No, I don't. I don't. And I was like, no? Sorry. 800-848-9222. Tommy is in Freeway or on Freeway. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Frankie. Good morning, man. Uh, I'm on the Thruway. I'm on the Thruway going to work. Oh, on the Thruway. Even better. Great. Yes, sir. Um, no, I was just telling you, screen caller. My, uh, my my Twitter got suspended the other day. Um, Biden had posted something, and I responded in saying, "Man, I cannot wait to read that you died." Right, which what was, was clearly a joke. Um, no, it's not a joke. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, this this guy is so awful and so evil. But again. I'm not wishing for him to be dead today. I'm just saying I'm looking forward to reading that he's no longer with us. How is that? How is that suspendable? Well, so it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I it's not a very nice thing, but uh, no. you certainly no. in, in protected free speech, right? So the question is. What so you would be affected by this by this case that the Supreme Court is entertaining now? What do you think the solution is? Should the decisions about who who gets suspended on Twitter be made by Twitter, or should there be some protections from the government that Twitter has to follow? Well, uh, listen, the government should be get involved in anything, so I, I don't know. That's that's a hard question to well, answer. I, I know, but, but that's why it's such an interesting case, right? And that's yeah. what the Supreme Court is going to have to decide. So given your experience, if you're on the Supreme Court, what would you say? Um, what would I say? Well, listen, if we change one word, because well, I, 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 I did use his name, so if you change one word in that statement, does my Twitter get suspended? And you know the name. If I change it to Trump, does my does uh, my does my account get suspended? Well, I mean, I, that's a good question. You know, Elon Musk, I thought was a little bit more egalitarian yeah. in how he was handling the suspensions, but uh, but maybe not. That is really so interesting, uh, Tommy. I, you got to keep us posted on how your case uh, ends up, and if you end up getting well, your no. your rights restored. Good. I, I deleted the tweet, so you oh, know, you deleted it's it. Just, yeah, okay. but again, like I said, it, it's just it doesn't make any sense because again, if I use the word Trump, nothing happens. Did and they I, tell that's, you? That's, did they tell you that if you deleted the tweet, that they you would they would restore your account? Yes. They did. So they were very open yes. about that. Interesting. All right. Yes. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're back on uh, Twitter, Tommy. Uh, you still call it Twitter, not X. No, no, Twitter. Yeah, good for you. Me, you and me both. It's, like, fo- it, it's like the Tappan Zee Bridge. It'll always be the Tappan Zee. <laughs> <laughs> or the Br- Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Tommy, thank exactly. you. Uh, you follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Frank Morano. Uh, it's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden is here. We're going to get to him in a minute. But first, let me say hello to Nick in Minnesota, the land of a thousand lakes. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Land of 10,000 lakes, actually. Oh, yeah, I hate hey, this lake uh, inflation. I had no idea, Nick. My apologies. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, I know you got to get to a guest in a minute, so I'll make this as quick as possible. But I just wanted to tell you that I liked your interview with David from the Bronx because I'm blind as well, as I've said before. The difference between me and him is I was born blind, so I have no idea what it's like to be able to see. And I've, how do I say this, embraced my blindness in that people have always treated me like they would anyone else. The only difference is 
they know I can't see. So let's just say that they let me get away with a few things that sighted people wouldn't do, such as I'm a touchy-feely kind of guy, and I don't mean that inappropriately. I sure. mean, I mean uh, sometimes I have dreams that people's heads are fall off or that they're not screwed on straight. So I'm imagining, Frank, if I ever meet you, say, someday in New York, and um, me saying to you, Frank, uh, I had a dream that your head fell off last night, and you saying to me, Nick, can you check to see if it's screwed on straight? That's very funny. You know, Nick, quick question, and then I, and I do yeah. have to run. I asked Governor yeah. Patterson, who's not totally blind. I don't know if you heard the interview we did right after the Super Bowl, but I asked him mm. how he enjoys sporting events when he is um, totally blind in one eye and 80% blind in the other. And he said, you know, he gave a really interesting explanation. Being Given the fact that you can't see any sporting events, do you follow sports, say on the radio or anything like that? Yeah, you do. CCO, CCO does uh, Minnesota Twins versus sometimes even the New York Yankees, um, and so I listen to CCO, um, and you know a lot of the talk show hosts in Minnesota. I mean, one of the things I want to do, and I say this because I want to make it nationwide. One of the things I want to do is lobby for, because I get help from people in Minnesota. They take me to the grocery store. They take me to different places. Um, One of the things I want to do is make it so that people aren't constantly leaving their jobs in the helping field or people aren't telling me, oh, why don't you get a companion animal instead of relying on people? Why don't you um, get Uber Eats? Why don't you get, you know, this, that, or the other thing? It's like, that's the way our world's going. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I don't want to live that way. Yeah. So, Nick, I, anyway. I get it. All right. Hey, Nick, thanks for the insight. I appreciate yeah. the call Bye-bye. and the feedback. Gnome Layden joins me straight ahead. And then I have some news on Odysseus, the lunar lander. Some really interesting news on that front. Not entirely unanticipated, given what we've seen on this front uh, in the last couple of days. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Simon and Garfunkel. It was on this day in 1970 that they began a six-week run at the top of the Billboard Top 100 with this song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Meantime, uh, someone who is only troubled when the newspapers don't arrive on time is our news director, Noam Layden. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, hello. Good morning, Frank. College students always like to express themselves by putting fun stuff on the front door of their dorm room. But at Barnard College, beginning today, you will no longer put anything uh, on your front door. And if you do, the college will rip it down. Same for Columbia. This is all in response to this rise of anti-Semitism on the campus. And the thought is they sort of want to wipe out any other talk of that could offend other people. There's a big lawsuit going on by a number of Jewish students on the campus who claim that uh, they've been spat on, they've been physically assaulted uh, ever since the October 7th Hamas attack. So the school's response as they get ready to take on this lawsuit is to tell students at Barnard and at Columbia, you can't put anything on your door. And it begins today, and here's uh, some students on campus who say this is ridiculous. I agree that students absolutely should have freedom of speech, but I understand that polarization can be very harmful to students as well. It's definitely overstepping. Uh, Students are really dissatisfied with the administration. Um, about how they're handling uh, our right to free speech and our right to protest. So that fun thing that you used to do when you were in college and put stuff on your front door of your dorm room, no more. If those uh, posters go up, the campus says they'll remove them. They haven't said if there'll be any punishment if you continue to put stuff up on your door. But it begins today, and you can imagine on a campus like Columbia, right? Barnard, this is supposed to be one of those elite colleges. Mm. There, Some people say they're squelching free speech. Others say they're just protecting students on campus who've been spat on and yelled at. Well, first of all, why not... Um go after the people that are doing the spitting. If you're spitting at someone, that's clearly a violation of, I would assume, existing restrictions. Why not just go after those people rather than create this whole new penalty for people that didn't do anything wrong? I think uh, part of this is the Board of Trustees is trying to come up with a plan has been uh, to respond to everything that's happened on the campus in the last couple months since the beginning of the war uh, in Gaza and then come up with a new plan to react to other things because there's going to be other political things that will blow up in the coming years. And so one of them, they say, is the easiest thing to do on one level is just take away one small thing that has bothered lots of people, take away the right to put stuff up in your so, dorm room. I, I never dormed at college, but uh, I guess these posters and things that are on your dorm room or your your outside door is pretty prevalent. Yeah, oh, everybody has it. And so uh, it might be, I might have a sporting event, uh, a sports team situation. You, you know, what would you put on? This? Maybe I went to a dopey college, but I remember it just Where'd being you go to school? fun stuff. Uh, Emerson and Boston. Oh, that is dopey. Yeah, yeah. my dopey. friend Brian Goldstein went there. Oh, well, that's yeah. everything. And right Jay there. Leno. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's dopey. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, normally, 
Usually it's fun stuff, and you maybe you put up a, like a whiteboard, and people put funny messages. But uh, you know, at a college like Columbia and Barnard, they've used it to put up political statements, and some people have been offended by it. Some people have called it anti-Semitic. And so the school says better to just take away that right. I think that I agree with those students that are upset. I think that it's a that's a big mistake. You know, if people are spitting on other students, suspend them, expel them, even arrest them. But right. Why, why criminalize someone that wants to put up a, a vote for Trump or a vote for Biden sign? Come on. Yeah. Well, we'll see how students respond because it be it starts to be enforced uh, today. Uh, I know earlier this morning you were talking about this surge pricing at Wendy's that's going to begin in 2025. And it's amazing how, well, it's getting a frosty reception from oh! uh, from customers everywhere. Uh, here are some customers who say they'll just stop eating at Wendy's if they do this thing, sort of like what Uber and Lyft do. If there's more demand, they raise their prices. Same at Wendy's. They'll raise their prices if there's more demand for food at that hour. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, people are really upset about this. Uh, Wendy said, by the way, you could save a lot of money if you come to the restaurant at the right time. So, okay, don't come at lunch. Don't come at dinner time, like 5 to 6 or 12 to 1, because that's when prices will be higher than normal. But if you come at maybe 3 in the afternoon, prices will be lower than normal, and you'll save on that Frosty or that Baconator. I have to say, I don't understand the fervor over this at all. There's one assemblyman from the Bronx that's calling this dystopian blank (laughs) and threatening legislation about this. You know, if you want to buy radio ads, it's going to cost you a lot more to advertise in the morning show yeah. than it will to advertise at midnight, right? Uh, so what are we supposed to say? That everything should always be the same price no matter what the demand for that service at that time? I mean, I think this is idiotic. First of all, I don't go to Wendy's. Maybe that's why I don't I don't care about this, but I think it's crazy. Wendy's uh, doubling down saying, by the way, once this begins, they say customers will actually be very excited <laughs> by the prices they see and they'll know when to go in and when not to go in if they want to save money so be it you know it's the whole concept behind happy hour the whole idea behind happy hour is that if you go in at a time when not a lot of people are in the bar or the bar or the restaurant drinking and eating you can get a little bit of a break yeah it's an interesting thing i think in the end it probably will work out for wendy's it came out by the way on the same day that this guy was visiting attic island alaska and he was driving around And all of a sudden, he came upon an abandoned McDonald's, an entire restaurant that it looked like people had left in the middle of the night. We find out it was just a restaurant that went out of business. But it went out of business in 1994, and the menu on the drive-thru was still up. So now we can compare, because there's been so much talk about inflation and what it's done to pricing even at places like McDonald's. We can compare prices from 1994 to today. So like a Happy Meal. At that point, the uh, movie Jurassic Park was out, and so they did a tie-in for Happy Meals. And a Happy Meal was $3.36. A Big Mac was $2.45. You get a whole Big Mac meal for under 5 bucks. Uh, Chicken McNuggets, two thirty-five. An egg McMuffin was one ninety-five. Uh, now compare it to places where a Big Mac uh, will cost you a Big Mac meal uh, here in the city will run you eighteen bucks, which is a whole oh, lot wow. more than was uh, three thirty-six back in 
uh, 20, uh, rack in 1994. Um, a milkshake, by the way, back then was $1.50. A hot chocolate was 75 cents. So prices have gone up, but you can still find uh, cheap Big Macs if you go to the right place. In Stigler, Oklahoma today, a Big Mac will run you $3.49. So that's not a whole lot more than it was back in 1994. And you throw in fries and a Coke and it's like six bucks. But here in the city, 18 bucks for that same meal, Big Mac meal. Why didn't they do anything with this building? Why did it just remain oh, that there? I don't know. I don't know why they didn't take it down. It's in a very sort of remote part of Alaska, so sort of interesting. It's a town of 400 people. It's not unclear uh, why okay. they even opened up there, but they did. You want uh, one last sure. one? Sure. And by the way, uh, we do have a lot of listeners, actually, in the Alaska area listening on uh, KYBR. If you're up on this story, uh, feel free to uh, either email me or, uh, yeah, email me. We're, we're not going to have time to take your call on that. Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. And one quick story. Talking to the airlines, you know they put you, tell you to put your phone in airline mode when you board a flight? Sure. Because the thought is that somehow you could interfere with the instruments of the people in the cockpit. Well, uh, the English a long time ago in Europe figured out there's nothing to this. Total nonsense. If you get on a flight in Europe, they don't put tell you to put your uh, pl- uh, phone into airplane mode. Uh, but uh, now one of the American airlines saying the reason they haven't taken the rule away here has nothing to do with the fact that they think it's going to interfere with the airline and the cockpit. It's that people are so crazy and have gotten so violent on planes that they've noticed that a lot of times these people are on their phones when they get crazy and they get on the phone with somebody who gets them crazier, making phone calls, texting, that kind of thing. So they want to just sort of take that away from people as they're taking off and landing to make the flight a little less violent, a little less open to chaos between the stewardesses, the airline uh, workers, and the people who are on the flight. I always thought that part of the rationale for airplane mode was because you're not going to get service at 40000 feet to uh, make your phone call or send your text message that your phone's going to be constantly looking for service and it kind of screws up your your battery I but, but now you can you can get all that service. I, I didn't know that yeah yeah well, so anyway so it has nothing to do you're not going to mess with the uh with the cockpit interesting yeah thank you Noam Layden. and now you know the rest of the story All right. I do want to mention the latest on Odysseus. Odysseus has powered down. The Odysseus lander, the first ever commercial spacecraft to land on the moon, stopped transmitting yesterday, several days earlier than intended. This historic mission returned U.S. spacecraft to the moon after a 50-year hiatus, but it likely did not meet some of the goals after it tipped onto its side while landing near the lunar South Pole last week. Analysts believe a leg of the hexagonal 14-foot-tall lander snagged the surface and tipped while approaching diagonally, tilting its antennas and solar arrays in the wrong direction. The craft was reportedly able to deliver some scientific data payloads in addition to an image of itself during descent. Results from several of NASA's instruments aboard the craft remain unknown, and an ejectable camera had not yet been deployed at uh, as of right now. But this mission is just one in a series of NASA-funded commercial lunar projects by private companies scheduled as preparation for the Artemis mission to return humans to the moon. You know, there are a lot of people, I'm not saying I believe this, but I've talked to people on this show 
And what's my favorite question to ask about the moon? Why haven't we been back in 50 years? Because you think about it, we were going to the moon all the time between 1969 and 1972, and we just stopped. One answer that I've gotten from people is that our government has been in touch with extraterrestrials, and that extraterrestrials have actually warned our government. I'm not saying I believe this, but I've heard it from more than one person. Our government's been warned by some extraterrestrial intelligence not to go back to the moon. The fact that this lunar lander was a little bit of a bust is going to feed into some of those theories, I think. 15 seconds of fame, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Song. Meantime, time for you to be heard for 15 seconds at 800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Neil! Hey, Frankie, how does this sound? Tippy Canoe and Odysseus 2. <laughs> I like it. Mike! Morning, Frank, and a good morning to all the Minnesota listeners. Land of 10,000 lakes. I intend to fish each and every one of them. Minnesota, where the women are strong, all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. Scott! Robert! For nine months, Schumer has blocked H.R. 2 from coming to the Senate floor for a vote. Don't vote for him. He doesn't... James! I'm sorry, I thought you were done. You're a superstar! Charles! Mrs. Feldman wakes up in the morning, wants to give her husband a hint. She says, honey, I dreamt that you bought me a gorgeous, expensive mink coat. Mr. Feldman responds, in your next dream, wear it in good health. <laughs> and finally, Ray. Hey, shout out from Ray G to Mike G. Thank you. Brandon, get better quickly. Shout out to the girls, Ellen, Donna, and so forth. Thanks, Ray. Frank Morano, good day. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.